This podcast is a member of the Place to Be Nation family. Visit us at placetobenation.com, the only place to be in your pop culture world. You know Koloff, just like every wrestling fan in this world knows, that Ric Flair doesn't mind bleeding, he doesn't mind sweating, he doesn't mind paying the price. As long as in the end run, he's got a chance to get some licks in himself. And this time, my friend, if you want to be a man, if you want to be recognized as a great Russian bear, you're going to have to walk down that ramp, you're going to have to get in the ring, and you're going to have to face the nature boy head up. I'm talking about you and I, Koloff. Greetings, I am The Watcher. You may know me from the Marvel Universe, where I am perhaps most well-known as the host of What If? In that comic book, I look at alternate worlds, alternate universes, where certain outcomes were changed from what most are familiar, such as what if Spider-Man joined the Fantastic Four? Or what if Sergeant Fury fought World War II in outer space? Tonight... I turn my attention to the world of underground wrestling podcasting. Specifically, I'm observing three 40-something-year-old men and their podcast known as Worldcast, where they review WCCW in chronological order, starting in January 1982. But what if they chose a different old-school wrestling promotion to follow? What if they chose Mid-Atlantic Wrestling from 1981 instead? Welcome to Worldcast, where we're checking out Mid-Atlantic Wrestling from the WWE Network. We're looking at the very first one they have uploaded, and that is from September 12, 1981. And of course, I'm joined on my wild what-if adventure <laughs> with my buddy Kelly Nelson Johnny Johnny Sorrow. Kelly, how you doing, my friend? I'm doing great. Uh, Worldcast what-if, baby. Uh, let's do this. Uh, I'm excited. Johnny, what what what's going on, man? Well, you know, I just want to give a little background as the WWE Network, as most most everyone who listens to this show probably knows, just dropped a ton of Atlantic wrestling uh, from 80, starting in '81, and I went ahead. I was like, oh, I'm going to watch the first one, and I watched the first one, and I thought to myself, ah, you know, if we had waited three months to start this uh, adventure. I'm pretty sure we would have went with World with Mid Atlantic instead. It would be like that would have been no Bill Irwin, then you know it would have been Ricky Steamboat and Wahoo and uh, but no, it's 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 Hussein and and all what we got and we're sticking with what we're doing. We're sticking we're with right it. Right now, it's, yeah. It's, 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 hey, we 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 try to stick to our commitments and we have a commitment, but. uh you know, I thought it'd be fun to look at this because, again, everyone's talking about it in our circles, and I thought it'd be just fun to uh, to take another look. We always used to do specials, so this is our first special, let's say. And by the way, Kelly, bravo, bravo. If that doesn't win one of those fucking sheety motherfucking things, nothing should. <laughs> Early favorite for best uh, watcher impersonation on a wrestling podcast. Oh, jeez. 
But hey, man, this is interesting. This is studio wrestling. And we were, we were opening up with Bob Connell and David Crockett, a young David Crockett uh-huh. uh, here. And uh, and they, 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 they announced Ron Bass is announced as the TV champion. And they talk about how Piper and Wahoo, they're going to be kept off TV because of this angle that happened last week. And then they open up with a Ron Bass interview. Uh, what were your, what were your thoughts here, Johnny, on the Bass interview? Oh, well, first of all, David, David Crockett is on fucking Quaaludes here. Because <laughs> we all know David Crockett. You know, he's excitable, David Crockett. He is so slow and on <laughs> Quaaludes, Bill. It. We need to keep them off of television. You'll ooh, you'll see it. And he, he it's and I want to talk about David Crockett later. But uh, and he likes everybody. If you notice throughout this whole show, he doesn't really get mad at at anybody. He's he he likes the bad guys. You know, with their talent. We'll get to that. But so Ron Bass is a good guy. I didn't know he was a good guy in '81 in Mid Atlantic. I had no idea. And uh, um. Boy, he's a giant man. And he gives this promo. I'm going to go out here and make all the fans proud of me. Yep, 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 yep. You know, that, that kind of thing. But uh, you look at the size of him. And he is a giant, giant man. And I remember seeing him in Philly when he did have his face turned. And for some reason, the, the security at the Civic Center was what, like escorting all the wrestlers up and down and not letting us reach over and try, try to slap their hands and stuff for some reason. It was the only time they ever did it. And Ron Bass had just turned good guy. And he's coming back to the ring. He beat Buddy Landell. And people are trying to slap his hands, and they're not letting him. And I think he got frustrated. He's like, I just turned good guy, goddammit. And he was so tall, he just reached his giant arms out over all these security guys and just started slapping all the fans' hands. They couldn't <laughs> do anything. He's a giant man. <laughs> what uh, what'd you make of the interview, Kelly? Uh, not too much. In fact, I didn't even make any notes of it. But I do have some opinions on Babyface Ron Bass that I'll uh, save for later. Um, okay. But I'll, I'll, I'll start with a little bit of history. Um, so this show was taped at the WPCQ Studios in Charlotte. And they had just started taping there uh, in 1981 so a few months before this previously they were taped at uh, in Raleigh, north carolina so this is is relatively new this setup and this would go i think until the end of uh the program or when they switch over um coddle was from Raleigh. he was the weatherman there on tv w-r-a-l in Raleigh. um what else? Oh, Ole Anderson had taken over as Booker also in 1981. <laughs> so that was a change. I guess George Scott had been the Booker up until then. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and, he went to WWF. Uh, not at that point, though. Um, Scott, of course, had revitalized the territory in the 70s by um, – because for years, in the 60s especially, Mid-Atlantic was a tag team territory – and they, they carried that over into the 70s. And then when George Scott came in around 73, after uh, Jim Crockett Sr. passed away, um, he brought in Johnny Valentine and Wahoo McDaniel to do their feud as like a singles main event. And that eventually got over. And then you got the Rick, Rick Flair's, Rick Steamboat's, um, and the rest is history. And Scott had a super successful run there. After he left 
the Carolinas. I'm not sure where he went because he didn't pop up in WWF until 84, I think. Um, when Vince, yeah, it was right, yeah, it was right around Mania time, right before Mania time. Right when Vince was expanding, yeah, he was the one. He was, he was the key guy who brought Steamboat over, yeah. and Piper, Valentine over. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was noticeable all the Carolinas guys all of a sudden. But uh, which ironically led ended up Piper ended up fi- getting him fired. So just funny in, in hindsight. Yeah, Piper and Hogan, I think, had uh, of course something to do with it too. But anyway, now Willie Anderson is the Booker here. Um, so it's, it's sort of, we picked things up, um, at a, kind of the start of a new era for mid Atlantic. So that's cool. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's funny. You have Ron Bass, you get your cowboy. It, it, I mean, it's almost like in the eighties, these, they had these tropes where, you know, you had like a cowboy or two in each company. You had like maybe one, maybe two African-Americans. You sometimes you'd have like one Hispanic worker, you know, and stuff uh and uh, and ron bass is our our big cowboy here you know i guess so he's the white guy huh? <laughs> what johnny redneck is that what you say token with redneck. all the others he's the token yeah and you know i mean i guess you could argue jake is playing a little bit of a cowboy character yeah too. yeah I've been a little that. bit yeah but yeah yeah that's like i said one or two of them uh and then this leads us to uh David and Bob, and they're running down the talent on the show today. And they do, you know, this is a really good opening. Real, real, uh, really kind of uh, much more uh, polished and professional mm-hmm. than world class. Uh, kind of telling you what we're getting today. Hey, we're going to have uh, Ricky Steamboat in a tag match, you know, running down all the talent. And, of course, this is 81, so they very rarely put stars versus stars. So it's all... Stars versus enhancement talent or jobber, jobbers or wimpies or whatever you want to call them. Um, so, you know, the whole entire premise here is it's like an infomercial. This trying to get you to go buy a ticket to the big show. Well, world class kind of felt more like uh, like WCW in a way in the 90s mm-hmm. where it felt like a TV program, uh, like it was owned by a TV conglomerate as opposed to more – uh, territorial wrestling, like world class, was totally different. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, I mean, right now we're in the dark ages of world class, but mm-hmm. you know, to come '83 and '84, they're putting on marquee matches and stuff, while most of the other territories, like world, like Mid Atlantic, are running the, the you know the same basic type of premise and stuff. Right, but you have, but you have these. I was going to bring it up later, but I might as well bring them now. You got these Mid Atlantic job guys. And it's a mid-Atlantic thing, I, I think, where all these job guys get in a lot of offense for the most part, except for the guy Abdullah fucks up, you know. But uh, they all get in a lot, a lot of, of offense here. And it makes me think about one of the criticisms you read about Ric Flair is, well, I watch, some guy looks back, I watched some match where he wrestled George South on TV and I can't, he, he gives, gives him way too much. And I'm thinking, but if that's where you are from, because that's all you see on this one. Jim Nelson and all these guys get in a ton of offense. They're all, hell, and I remember. Hell, next week, Steamboat and Youngbug have a legit two and a half star match with one of the uh, jobbers. Yeah, uh, it's. Get, I mean, it's possible. It's, it's that. And, and you also got to remember back in 81 and 82 in these territories, you'd have one or two or three big matches on the show 
And then you'd have it filled up with a lot of these jobbers. And so they had to look a little bit uh, competitive enough, uh, uh, you know, against the stars on the TV, yeah. but they'd be paired up against uh, other guys and stuff. Well, like you said, in our day, you know, you always thought Pat Tanaka had a chance, you know, and stuff like that. Yeah, so they always had that mid-levels of these guys. And some of these guys we see here are going to go on. Like, isn't Nelson become one of the privates? Yeah. He becomes one of the privates and then evolves into Boris Zukov. Yeah. Oh, he's, he's Boris? Oh, yeah, yeah, holy yeah. shit. Yeah. That's right. I didn't put that together. Holy shit. I always giggle at his name because I went to high school with a guy named Jim Nelson. It, it, there's nothing to joke about it. It just, it, it just makes me giggle because he yeah, looks I mean, nothing like him. A lot of these guys. You have Mike Miller, who was yeah. prominent in the Portland Territory. You know, oh. uh, Hair, uh, 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 you know, Harris is uh-huh. you know, Rick Harris. Black um, you have, uh, you know, Don Canodal become yeah. you know, oh, yeah. Mike Davis, even Ron Mike Ritchie. Davis. Ron Ritchie became Scott a McGee. star in Stampede later on in the 80s. What about what about this Terry Latham we're going to see? Because he <laughs> seemed not so much. Get, not so much. <laughs> OK, Ivan Koloff is just actually he's. I, I mean, I will get to it, but Ivan Koloff's one of like my top ten favorite squash wrestlers. Oh, he's amazing! Defense that he made him competitive, made him interesting. Not yeah. like just like not like Magnum TA where they're like eight seconds. Yeah, well, that like, was new. I mean, that was unheard yeah. of. Those Magnum things. Uh, they they made that ridiculous where they they figured out how to he he for him to get a three count on a guy in one second. They did that with Magnum once that he. He was counting when the bell rang, so it got silly. But one last thing before we move to the first match. The opening is some funky, cool, like, Earth, Wind, and Fire uh, tune. And it's a redub. It's the WWE music. Oh, really? Oh, is it? Yeah. Uh, okay, because I wasn't oh, sure. Oh, shit. Yeah, I was looking up um, online, and, yeah, the, the intros for the other shows are different, but they were from WWE uh, 24-7, though, so it was confusing why they – Dubbed sure. it later, because um, ten years sounds... previous they had the original music. Well, I'll yeah, tell you what. You want, I, if you want Kelly, I can send you can send you a link to where you can uh, pull up the music and we can put it in the, with the show notes. Ah, cool. I'll tell you what, for a WWE thing, it's period authentic as a motherfucker. Yeah. It's <laughs> strange great. that they changed it because, yeah, and for 24-7, they used the original music. Yeah, well, and it goes perfectly with, and we'll talk about it, the the, op- the graphic thing they do, uh, go back and forth, the, the Tron looking black and gold contrast lines thing. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, that baseline goes perfect with it. It's like being at the Pink Floyd at the, uh, at the planetarium. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The original music has a little bit more soul to it, a little bit more, uh, uh, yeah. uh, there you go. To it. Yeah. Still better. Right. Still better than world class's original theme. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. <laughs> uh, but then we, uh, we open up with Ricky Steamboat, Jake Roberts versus Jim Nelson and Mike Miller. What, uh, what are your thoughts here, Kelly? Um, well, this is mid-Atlantic, um, comparing it with world-class. Yeah, it's different. It's like you said, Pete, it's more polished. Uh, it's in the traditional studio setting where there's maybe 50 people or so there, unlike the Sportatorium. Um, the work rate, as we'll discuss, is way higher than world-class. 
you know, even the jobbers have to go, you know, 100 miles per hour and, and work their asses off. Um, of course, the talent level is way higher. You know, if world class was a last place baseball team like Mid-Atlantic is, you know, a division winner. They're a contender. They're in the playoffs every year. They're the Dodgers. They're yeah, the yeah, yeah. They're one of those teams. That, yeah, for sure. Um, just a great roster of talent of guys that were all in their prime. Great talkers. Guys who drew money everywhere. Um, what a lineup they have. And, yeah, the promos are way better than World Class, of course. Like, World Class, the only thing uh, World Class has on Mid-Atlantic is basically having main events with, uh, you know, true main eventers, not just squash matches all the way through. Um, they did exper- and then get into experimentation and stuff. Um, but otherwise, yeah, Mid-Atlantic has is, is got them beat on every level. The commentary, of course, blows away the, the horrible, horrendous world-class commentary. Um, yeah, so- the only guy in world-class who can hold a candle uh, promo-wise is Gary Hart. Yeah, basically. Um, and he'll be- Joe's and- probably your second-best promo <laughs> in the promotion. You're in trouble. And, and, and Gary Hart's going to be in Mid-Atlantic not – pretty soon yeah yeah i know there was a lot of crossover because yeah. i think kabuki was actually in the territory at this time or or close to being in it um yeah. uh yeah so anyway well the first match we have uh the unusual if you grew up a wwf fan anyway uh team of steamboat and roberts <laughs> together um roberts was a pretty good baby face at this time i uh looked at him quite a bit in stampede in the late 70s where he was actually, for a time, he was the main event babyface in that territory. Uh, the Lu- Louisiana locomotive, as he was uh, <laughs> dubbed in Calgary. Um, he's, yeah, he's he's good. He's fast, fiery. Um, his knee lift is, is awesome. He, it, it was basically his finisher at this time. Um, I didn't uh, dig into Nelson and Miller. I, I, dig, I, I looked up info on the other jobbers, but uh, for some reason I didn't get into them. Of course, Pete already mentioned Nelson as the uh, eventual private Nelson with Sergeant Slaughter in the Carolinas and then Boris Zutkoff. Uh, Miller, you said Portland. I'm not I'm not too familiar about what um, Miller did in Portland. but Mid-card heel. Yeah, oh, okay, mid-card heel. Um, yeah, and Jake had only been in the territory for a few weeks. At this point, he debuted in August of 81 and he would actually stay pretty much um, extensively in the uh, Carolinas until 1983. So he put in a long stint there. I think there was a lot of overlap between uh, Carolinas and Georgia. A lot of guys worked both those territories simultaneously. Because I think Ole had the book in both places, that, right? Yeah, I, I think he did. Um, and and Jake was definitely a guy that was back and forth between those territories at that time. But it's interesting uh, to see him here, totally different. Well, not really totally different, but, yeah, I mean, definitely different. Yeah, 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 totally different. <laughs> totally different. I mean, he's still, you know, he's, he's got a lot of the same moves and all that as he does later. Well, he's, he's totally the marble man here, you know, smooth yeah. and, you know, uh. like, and just, you know, tall drink of water. He has yeah. that Sam Elliott swagger to him here and, uh yeah, uh, and, he, and he's skinny. Uh, I mean, he's skinny as hell. I mean, he hasn't gotten into the drinking. He doesn't have the beer belly yet. Here he's thin as anything, and 
Yeah. It was it's almost even anorexic in a way. Oh yeah, you know, he was he was super thin, but he's so tall um that he kind of had to be a main eventer in a way. Um yeah, it was a fast-paced match and I, that's about all I had. It was it was a squash basically, but a but a different kind of squash. <laughs> a, a work rate squash. Yeah, competitive squash. Com- yeah, know? yeah, competitive. Um some would be more competitive than others on this uh show, but Yeah. Yeah. That's about it. You know, good, good, it was fast-paced, good psychology. The baby face was tagging in and out, working the arm, basic psychology, telling a story, and everything looked smooth, crisp, and it looked long. Uh, and it looked like four guys or pros who knew how the hell to freaking work. Uh, what, what were your thoughts, Johnny? Uh, yeah, the, the Marlboro Man, if the Marlboro Man was a gangly, awkward-looking motherfucker, I, think, uh, I, do, I see Jake here, and I just see... I'm like, oh, the raw material is there, but you know he's looking for something, and we'll see. I mean, you mentioned the cowboy look, because I first saw the cowboy hat, I was like, oh, jeez, he's the cowboy gimmick, uh, you know. And, and then, but they call him Jake the Snake Roberts, and when you see the hat, as that the, snake, yeah, it's good. Yeah, the band of the hat is rattlesnake skin, and there's a rattlesnake skull on the top, so. He's all he's he's figuring it out. Mm-hmm. He's figuring it out. Um, now, granted, that means he's going to have to get rid of those swank Rasta colored boots he's got on. Yeah, uh, it almost looked like he was like working like the cowboy who was an Indian gimmick. You know what I'm talking uh, about? Rasta man. Left. He's a Rasta. He's a Rasta man. Yeah. That's, that's Rasta man colors, brother. And uh, um, he's putting it together. And the. They and him and Steamboat cheat a little bit, which I thought was funny. Like Ricky Steamboat cheated in this match. Like they, the Nelson or someone was in the corner and Steamboat cheap shotted him. And I was like, is that? I think it's the first time I've ever seen Ricky Steamboat do that. Who apparently is uh, back from a successful tour of uh, Asia. Yeah, they mentioned a few times. So, so I guess he had been there and left, right? Yeah, well, he did a tour of all Japan, and okay. was gone for probably at least a month. Oh, it was just a month. Okay. Yeah, they, they, the, yeah. way they were, the way they were talking, it sounded like he'd been gone forever. Uh, and yeah, the well, match. You're a lead babyface, and you're trying to draw money. It probably felt right. like forever for him. That's true. That's true. But uh, God, it's so funny. I I I didn't put together the Boris Zukov thing. So because uh, Nelson he. When I first saw him, I was like, Jim Nelson, all oh, right, right, he's going to be a private. And you can tell just because he's got that flat top hair. I guess that was to cover his giant Zukov head because I couldn't make – I didn't see that Zukov head anywhere, That the, the leader, mm-hmm. <laughs> big noggin. Uh, but he kind of moves – this young Zukov, and he's jacked too, man. He kind of moves like a clumsy Bob Backlund, you know, or he's not quite – He's not quite as smooth as Backlund, but he's got the same kind of approach to it. Uh, and I really enjoyed this for what it was. I was like, these two job, quote unquote, job guys can work. I, I love it. I, I hate using the term work rate, but let's just say it. the work rate of Mid Atlantic and the jobbers are awesome. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> you know, uh, Nelson, he was the first one who sold like the uh, Final Conflict when it finally came out. And he said he did this great disc. He was only sold it for like a month or two before the network or before the WWE put the squash on him. But he put the whole, it's like one of my all time favorite DVDs because he put all the build, all the angles, all this stuff. And then he put the whole Final Conflict card 
on it, and it's uh, except for the one that's missing, which is the sixty-minute draw between uh, Flair and Valentine. Yeah, and uh, and it's just great, just great television. Again, and that's all happens in nineteen eighty-two, which uh, I think my, I think majority of that is all up on the network right mm-hmm. now. So, yeah, uh, I didn't know Nelson really, was uh, responsible for that all getting out. Yeah, he was the first one, and then Don Carnoodle had like a. a it was weird. Nelson had the the best pristine copy, mm. like it was first gen. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Was perfect about it, except for it was missing like the the like the three count. Kurudo uh, mm. had had the full thing, but it was not nearly the high quality. But it had the three count in it, so uh, mm. uh, it, it was like one of those two choices. I went with the Nelson because the quality was. It was straight off the freaking feed, right? As opposed to Food Noodles, looked like it was like third or fourth generation, right? Uh, <laughs> That's cool. Cool. Yeah, uh, that leads us to uh, Ivan Cole offers Terry oh, Latham. What were, you, what were any thoughts here? Well, do you have any background, Kelly? Yeah, on Latham. Yeah, it took me a while to figure out how you pronounced his last name. I thought it was Latham. Like Larry Latham. Um, oh, that's what I that's what I wrote down. Yeah, but actually, it's with an N at the end, not an M. Um, and oh, thank you. Well, I just, had an M too. Yeah, that's well, what that's it sounded just, like, but actually, it's Latham. Well, that's why he never got anywhere. That's, that's, <laughs> that's a dumb way to spell your name. Yeah. So it took me forever to find his profile on Wrestling Data, but there wasn't much uh, info here because he was basically a jobber his whole uh, career. He started in 1972. Worked all the southern territories pretty much, and at this point there was only a couple months left in his career, apparently because there's no results for him after November, 1981. So that's Terry Lathan. Um, Koloff, yeah, Koloff was great at this time, of course. He's the Mid Atlantic champion. Um, immediately, uh, David Crockett puts over what a great wrestler he uh, wrestler he is. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, a lot of respect. Koloff had been in the territory for quite some time off and on since, uh, I think, like, 74 or so. And would settle, of course, in the area, make it his home. Um, yeah, another uh, squash, but, you know, not a – well, this was more of a total squash. Uh, Koloff didn't uh, give Lathan much. And then the finisher that uh, Koloff used at this time – and I guess he would use it when he came back to the WWF in 1983. It's that crazy knee to the neck jump off the top rope thing that yeah. um, here it looked really nasty. And uh, Dick Murdoch used this finisher too. Yeah. Um, Didn't he call it the branding iron? Yeah, that sounds about right. And that's a perfect name for it. Yeah. Uh, really is. Yeah. <laughs> it's a move that after the mid eighties, yeah, you never saw again. Um, but it, it looks really cool. Um, it looks like it could really hurt somebody. Uh, yeah, because more people are more interested in doing like five flips as opposed <laughs> to a move that actually could knock somebody out. Yeah. So, yeah, um, Koloff looks great. Hey, I didn't know Jim Cornette was on the show. Damn straight. <laughs> Damn straight he is. <laughs> I we you know what a team I don't know Kelly I I've always wanted to have like a heel slaughter heel Ivan Koloff team yeah oh, I think boy. that would have been oh, freaking boy. amazing that would have been, oh, I don't know boy. if they ever really had a run but man it I, sounds I, I think I think I might I don't I think, think they I might did. have 
I think I might have made that note pre- in my notes because he starts talking later about who he wants to team with. Yeah. yeah. So I think I think that thought crossed my mind. And uh, I'll just get into this one too a little. Um, with David Crockett, what happens is the match starts and Ivan does this slick uh, go go behind and roll up, and David Crockett goes, "See, that's just it. Now, Ivan Koloff is a great wrestler, and uh, and you know, but and then." They get across the point that what frustrates them about it is that he's such a great wrestler. Why does he cheat? And he does give Lathan some stuff just so he can pull his hair a few times. Right. Oh, you know. Yeah, so late, and uh, boy, that Larry Lathan's got some uh, cartwheel there. Oh, vey. <laughs> you see that thing? <laughs> oh, boy. And uh, Ivan, and we're going to see this again. It's okay, let's mention it. Him and Slaughter should have been a team at this time because Ivan is in all black, just all black, black boots, black singlet. This is before they went full yeah. red, you know, commie. In 85 was the peak of that in America, you know, where yeah. the Rocky Four and all that shit. Ivan Kolb was just a guy from Russia. You know, he didn't really scream and yell about America sucking, you know, all that much. <laughs> and uh, and he's all in black and he looks Bad as fuck. He he's and slaughter as we'll see. His choice of gear is also in wrestling all black, black boots, all black with just white USMC on the legs, and he looks badass. Mm-hmm. Put these them two together right now. That's a dream tag team, man. Yeah. Oh boy. Yeah. And I have God, Ivan's awesome. I love Ivan Koloff. I'm actually looking at the picture that came uh, with uh, <laughs> the DVD. Over here, the autograph one, and over here on the walls is my autographed uh, uh, Russian flag or no USSR flag. Yeah, you know, I still got that up, man. Ivan Koloff's oh, I mean, the best. Yeah, great man. I, I love Ivan. I, I as I said earlier, I, he's one of my top ten favorite like squash workers, where he makes them fun. Uh, and here, I mean, you see him dropping the big, yeah, the big knee. Uh, he's like, looks like he's crippling the guy's neck. Oh, uh, dude, beat the just, shit out of him. I just love this. And they call off the Mid-Atlantic champion. I think they're teasing him in a steamboat feud, which I, I would just I would yeah. just die in heaven because I think it would be an incredible match. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure they were yeah. all over the circuit. Uh, and then uh, we get a big angle. They show a recap of the Wahoo-Piper-Abbey angle. And this is fucking awesome. We get this psychedelic, like, Special effects yeah. kind of like Tales from the Dark Side or something, and uh, it's just Abby just stabbing the living shit out of Wahoo with a fork. <laughs> and I guess according to Bruce Mitchell, um, the week prior when they showed this thing live, there was no editing and it was just a freaking gore fest from hell. Yeah, where, oh, man. Uh, Wahoo is just spewing blood all over the place and uh i i wish we had that i really wish we could have seen that because uh they did some chicanery where you could barely see the blood of course with the uh porno special effects and oh, uh what pornos are you watching <laughs> flesh gordon yeah flesh gordon, flesh gordon special <laughs> effects. uh 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 the flesh gordon drink <laughs> But fuck, this is a hardcore angle. And this is how <laughs> the territories were, you know, how, like, it's so awesome, the territories, because you're able to shuffle out this town. Like, Abby could go from territory to territory and stay meaningful because he can come in and do a freaking angle like this, get a shitload of heat, 
they blow it off, and now he's off to a different territory. Uh, I, I really, I really think uh, nowadays. I mean, I know the territory system wouldn't work, but man, it would help so much with keeping talent fresh. Oh, uh, yeah. When you only have one big marketplace and stuff. But man, back in the day, man, you're able to move these talents around and keep talent fresh, and uh, and you, then your book and your booking ideas, you could run the same booking idea on four different people and in a five year process. Uh, yeah, this angle is awesome. What what do you think of the angle, Johnny? Uh, well, yeah, the um, it's like it's like something out of Tron, and they they were using it for the like the to come back from the commercial that kind of thing, and so they decided to use it to censor, and it it goes all black, and there just certain gold lines are around what's going on, and watching it. And then they'd switch around to just where you see an Abby from behind. And you do see him get a few licks in with that fork before they go into that. And it's brutal. It's fucking just, he's attacked and <laughs> this giant man. If you're flipping around TV and you're a little kid and you click it on and this giant man just knocked the shit out of this guy and starts stabbing him with a fork. I mean, like, holy shit, this is the best TV show I've ever seen. It's, and, Fuck. Yeah, it worked for me too because I was like, "What you don't see, you know." And you look, it's all psychedelic, and you still see he's being stabbed because you're hearing David Mann screaming, "What is he doing, Oahu? What is he doing, Oahu?" And it's turmoil, and Piper's screaming and yelling. He's awesome. Uh, he's I mean, he's literally stabbing a man in the head with a fucking fork. It's awesome, and uh, and I love it. Of course, that you know. Someone's got to help Wahoo. So of course it's the you know, why. Why is it always the jobbers who have to run it out first? Wait, I mean, so are they closest to the door, or or did all the the stars already leave, or or are they all just like that's your job, kids. You can be the new guys. You yep. got to go out there. Yeah, I can. You know, but like, or like we love. But because then eventually the good, the real good guys would come out. So what is it just to fuck with them? And Wahoo's got to get stabbed 80 more times before <laughs> fucking, you know, well, uh, Ricky Steve-O comes out? It helps the visual because then Wahoo, then the Abby stabs these fuckers. And oh, I know. It's, oh, it's it's awesome visuals, but it's a trope in wrestling. Oh, where yeah. It's the jobbers right now. I'm like, well, why doesn't Ricky Steamboat come out and do something? Him and Jake Roberts ought to do something about this. Or whoever's there. It's always funny. Because they're sitting in the back. Well, they're in the back. They're the push. I never liked Wahoo to begin with. They're the main offenders. Well, yeah, some may be saying that. But they're, yeah, it's like, hey, boy, you're a jobber. You know, we're not going to go out now. You got to go out and deal with Abby first. They're, yeah. Steamboat. As nice of a guy is, he wasn't gonna be the first guy to uh, try and pry Abby off a wall. See, those baby faces are cowards. Dan <laughs> Shockett was right. Um, yeah, this was cool. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I wish I could have seen the unedited version. This is, you know, um, a foreshadowing of how the WWE does turns everything black and white when they uh, have blood. Um, when they, uh, you know, this, I tell you what, this beats the shit out of that old WWF dumb red X. Oh, I hated yeah. that shit. Yeah. This is the this, this is at least psychedelic. Well, it's funny because yeah, like you said, they use these graphics in every episode just before the match starts. Everybody's in this negative uh, look, and then the bell rings, and we turn to the normal picture. <laughs> well, Kelly, it's part of their space age technology they're playing with because yeah. they also <laughs> start the matches 
with Bob Caudill looking at this weird yes. TV screen <laughs> when it's going on right next to him. It, it, they're, play, they're playing with their technology. Yeah, like. and speaking of uh, comic books and The Watcher, that reminded me of like the old Superman comics from the 60s where Superman would watch uh, like a TV screen of – of you know himself in the future or in the past and stuff like that. Um, that's <laughs> well, totally, like, yeah. it's the future, and I'm married to Mr. Mixius Pitalik. <laughs> uh, but yeah, a lot of weird stuff. Um, so this was probably this may have been Abby's first appearance in the Mid Atlantic Territory. Because, oh really? Yeah, because he hadn't he done a ton of territories before this, but he'd uh, managed to stay away from Mid Atlantic for whatever reason. And this uh, this pretty much I think for anyone watching on TV, this is the first time they saw Abby in the Carolinas. So what a first impression. Um, and then what now we got the impression. Let's talk about the Piper and Abby combination. And yeah. How, what a great I paid for that. Sounds phenomenal. Yeah, I, I loved it. Um, you, you know what? I got to tell you, I read I read about it. And it never made sense to me on paper, honestly. I was like, oh, how'd that work? And seeing it work, it's fucking awesome. Yeah, you have crazy fucking Abby with the fork. And then you have Piper, who ain't all fucking all up there either, yeah. but cuts phenomenal promos and mm-hmm. gets great heat. And this is, uh, I mean, it's just, uh, just a perfect way to use Abadula. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, and we see it right here, right off, right off the bat. Any other thoughts on this, guys? You know, I just want to say that's a, a great team of two Canadian uh, shoot, right. shoot Canadians <laughs> um, yeah. that uh, otherwise never partnered up uh, in any other territories that I'm aware of. Um, yeah, that, I mean, this is better than any any of that stampede, yeah. fake stampede stuff. Uh, <laughs> fake stampede stuff, okay. <laughs> hey, you know now what? I to another match, <laughs> which is the Super Destroyer and the Grappler versus Scott McGee and Don Carudo. Uh, what, what, what are you thinking on, on here, Kelly? Well, by this point, it was just like one name after the next that I had to, to look up. Uh, so it took me like twice as long to watch this show because I had to keep pausing it and researching people. So I was wondering about the Super Destroyer, first of all, because in the 70s, the Super Destroyer in the Carolinas was uh, the spoiler, uh, yep. Don Jardine. But the Super Destroyer here is not Don Jardine. And it's actually Scott Irwin. Uh, yep. Really? So, yeah. So that's a, a, a cool little parallel to World uh, Club. Uh, yeah, okay. So so wait a minute. So apparently while we're watching Bill Irwin stumble through fucking interviews and bore the shit out of me, his brother's entertaining the fuck out of me on the, in this what-if universe. Well, well this then, is Johnny, weird. in 1980, later in 83, I believe, it might be even 84 in World Class, Scott Irwin shows up as – and, and and while Bill become the Super D's, yeah, they do, okay. and they and they were the Super D's in the Carolinas earlier in 1981. Um, and the other tie into the Carolinas is Scott Irwin was trained under Fern Ganya in the same class as Steamboat graduated. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Um, the grappler is uh, Len Denton, of course. Uh, he wrestled as a gra- grappler for much of the 80s. Um, in a bunch of different territories. So cool to see him here. And then on the other side, we have Scott McGee, 
who I'm most familiar with from uh, the mid '80s in the WWF as like a uh, kind of like a Rick McGraw type, um, better than just a jobber or a pure jobber kind of guy. I remember him from Florida. That's where what I remember. Yeah. yeah, where Flair takes him like goes 20 minutes and has almost like a four star match with the bum. Yeah, <laughs> no, he he could work. He wasn't too bad. I, yeah, I, I remember. Mean, I mean, think about it, Kelly. Scott McGee <laughs> carrying a twenty-minute match. Yeah. Think about it. Yeah. But but here's but I think here's the thing because the reason I remember Scott McGee and you're right now you mentioned it, Kelly. I was like, oh, he did get one of those weird lower WWF runs that some of those guys got. But I knew him from Florida, but not from footage. I knew him from the magazines. Like this Scott McGee guy seems to be something of importance in Florida. So when I heard about the thing with Flair, I was like. Well, if it was in Florida, isn't he one of their top guys? You know that that was that was looking at it through the eyes of a fifteen-year-old reading the magazine. So, yeah. You know, but I never really saw him work very much. Yeah, it was during the era where Flair, I think, said Florida tanked, and they tried to uh-huh. they let him wrestle Dusty. So he's wrestling Charlie Cook and uh, uh-huh. Scott McGee. Scott McGee. Yeah. Uh, well, so there you go. Okay. Oh, I, I got to wrestle Scott McGee. Well, I, I'm not going to give the people. The people paid to see Ric Flair. I'm giving them 20 minutes, and I got to do it with this piece of shit. And that's why he's Ric Flair. <laughs> and I remember another my memory of another memory for me for McGee was uh, he was the uh, Jake the Snake's debut opponent, and he got the snake put on him in WWF. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, I think you're at right. At the Garden, yeah, at, I at MSG. Yep, yeah, you're right. God, and I was watching then, and I have no memory of Scott McGee. <laughs> He's all over those MSG shows from 85. Yeah, he is. Yeah. Um, and Kernodal had been in the territory since 1973 and was pretty much enhancement talent that whole time, I believe. And wait, wait, hold on. Hold on. You would say answer the question because they called him young Don Kernodal. And I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, no, no. He'd been around for a while. Um, but he was on the verge of a big break. That's for sure. Um, yeah, you know, yeah, you, you know, he eventually becomes the, you know, Slaughter's partner. Mm-hmm. But one of the most underrated aspects of Don Crudo, and I think one of the most underrated aspects ever, is uh, is his breakaway from the Russians in 1984. Oh, yeah. uh, the angle and the uh, of how the Russians kick him out, and then he becomes he, missed, he comes back as the U.S. He comes back as mm-hmm. like Mister USA. He teams with his brother. It's excellent storytelling. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, no, he's a super underrated uh, uh, performer, that's for sure. Um, Yeah, this was another squash, uh, another, you know, competitive squash. Destroyer using the superplex for the for the finish. Um, Yeah, not not many notes beyond all the uh, the bio info here. What were your thoughts, Johnny, on the match? Well, David uh, Crockett was popping for that superplex. He mm-hmm. couldn't wait to see that again. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's like, I gotta see that again. He likes these guys. He keeps mentioning it throughout the show. They're really good. They're really, really good. And uh, and I love that uh, when he hits the superplex, he doesn't immediately pin him. He pops up and goes, Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was that was fun. Uh, young Don Carnoodle. He looks like a young Merlin Olsen, uh, but <laughs> jacked. You know, because he's jacked here. Because by '84, with the split with the Russians, he was getting a little doughy. You know, but he is fucking jacked here, man. And he can move, and he's fast. And he's good. Uh, but and I, I enjoyed the match. But 
and that I got me thinking when you mentioned the super D's and that was to, to the point of this uh, thing that I wrote down. Uh, usually you see two big white guys in masks or black guys in masks. Uh, a team and they have like the same names like the Super D's or Doom or whatever. This one and this two and Super Destroyer Mark 1 and Mark 2 and all that. But this is and the Super Destroyer. Two separate masked guys. Yeah. And I was thinking... <laughs> I was like, oh, how they, you know, I wonder how they decide to start, you know, you know, start teaming up. I just see him, you know, backstage, you know, the Super D's, you just, you know, getting dressed after a match and Grappler's walking by in his mask, but in his, you know, street clothes, because in my world, these guys always wear their masks because that's what I was told as a child. <laughs> and, and Grappler goes, looks at me, goes, hey, hey. Nice hood, kid. <laughs> yeah, oh, thanks, man. I, I was, was going to say the same to you. Yeah. Where did you get your hoods done? He's like, oh, Maury's in Chicago. Maury's good. <laughs> Want to go hang out, get a drink? And the next thing you know, super effective tag team. <laughs> <laughs> they're like a couple of potheads teaming up. That's what they have in common, that they no, they're slick motherfuckers. You, I think you'd appreciate that. That my oh, little mask fan oh, fiction. Oh, totally. No, I mean this is this is a cool team. I mean, I love the old school American mask wrestlers. They're one of my favorite things in wrestling. Um, yeah, I met Denton at the uh, Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame this, this last year. Oh, cool. And super cool dude. Uh, really nice guy. We, I mean, we. I think we talked about ten minutes on the uh, about the psychology of the loaded boot. Oh, uh, that's awesome. <laughs> I'm totally geeking out about the loaded boot, <laughs> telling him how genius it is, because most mass wrestlers loaded up the mask, but he did the boot. <laughs> Tell me his reason was, why would I put a piece of metal on my forehead? That just hurt me, too, because I, that's always the dumbest thing. Yeah, he started laughing at all the all the all the marks uh, back in the day. Would have theories about it, like he had secret contraptions and, uh-huh. and secret hiding spots in his boot and all. Yeah, uh, that's beautiful. It's awesome. That's fantastic. I love I love that. You know, he goes, finally, someone I can talk to about this. <laughs> <laughs> These other, these other, these other, these other marks. Ah, fuck them. You get it. You <laughs> get it, Mark Mark the Marks. <laughs> the king of the marks. He understands it. Yeah. Uh, if only you wore a hood. We could make you a tag team. <laughs> <laughs> Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Hey, pro wrestling announcer Kevin Kelly here. I want to make sure you are all subscribed. To all the great feeds here at Place to Be Nation, it's really easy to do. Just head to iTunes or your preferred podcatcher app today and search and subscribe to the Place to Be Nation wrestling feed, which, of course, includes the full archives of The Kevin Kelly Show, the Place to Be Nation pod feed, and the Pro Wrestling Only feed. Subscribe, listen, and then rate us and leave feedback today. And be sure to give Justin your true thoughts. I mean, don't hold back. After all, he is kind of a jerk. Just listen to Scott. Place Simulations, JT Rosero and Chad Campbell here. We want to let you know that we have a ton of great podcasts available to you on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and PlaySimulation.com, and we offer those to you on three great feeds. 
On the Place to Be Nation wrestling feed, we bring you the Mothership, the original Place to Be podcast, as well as main event to Lucha Afterground and our monthly pay-per-view reaction shows, as well as the Our Vantage Point podcast and Jeff Learns Wrestling. In addition to these full-length shows, we also deliver quick-hit pod blasts on topics old and new. Over on the Pro Wrestling Only feed, we dive deep inside the wrestling business with a stacked army of experts leading the way. The feed features potpourri shows such as This Week in Wrestling, Greetings from Allentown, Psychology is Dead, Puro Puri, Stacy and Elliot's Bogus Journey, and the Military Industrial Suplex. We also have shows that focus intently on certain topics like Letters from Center Stage, Space City, and NWA Classics on Demand Adventure, Through the Years, Strong style history strong style story and mount olympus plus the feed has the full archives of legendary shows like titans of wrestling where the big boys play letters from kayfabe and much more and on our popular place to be nation pop podcast feed we offer such great shows as the glenn butler podcast hour spectacular rank and file ptbn dadcast go home in a box NBA team and Lucha Undead, as well as a vertible podcast heaven for comics fans with the hard traveling fanboys, Sellers Points, Todd Weber's Conversation, Geek and Sassy, and Imaginary Stories podcasts. You can find all of these current shows plus archives of our past podcasts, including the Kevin Kelly Show, as well by subscribing to all of our feeds on iTunes. And while there, be sure to rate and leave feedback as well. All of these shows, plus others, available on PlacementNation.com, where we cover pro wrestling, sports, movies, comics, plus in-depth stretch projects, and more. Be sure to support our site by using PlacementNation.com backslash Amazon when shopping online, and download our free PTB Vintage Vault Refresh eBooks via the links on our site. We also want to thank our friends at Bonehead's Wing Bar in West Warwick, Rhode Island, and Fall River, Massachusetts, TheHistoryOfWrestling.com, and Scott Keats' Blog of Doom. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Tumblr as well. PlacementNation.com, the only place to be in your pop culture world. Man, well, then we get these group promos, which I always dig, where we have Steamboat and Roberts, and then we had Youngblood and Bass. Um, I thought Roberts, out of them all, really stood out. What, 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 what about you, Johnny? What, 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 anything that really, really uh, got sparked yeah. your interest here? Well, I, I, to be honest, I think the exact opposite. I thought Jake was kind of awful here. Uh, yeah, oh, I didn't I, at all. Jeez. Oh, I didn't. I, mean, I thought we might have to have a tiebreaker with Kelly. Here. Oh, hold, hold on. Because <laughs> he, he, he's, he's, he's like, there's some things going on that shouldn't be going on, and if I find out about him, I'm going to give him a shot. I'm like, what, is he, fuck, what are you talking about? Like, Steve was going to be a little drive, and at least he's making sense. <laughs> well, Steamboat and, was in full baby face, like, oh, yeah. mode. It was not even, uh, it wasn't fired up Steamboat. It was just, oh, no, no, hey, he, no he, territory. Uh, he's modest. He's yeah. modest. Because Bob Connell was like, well, you're just being modest, Ricky. We know you've been over, you were very successful on that tour in, uh, in Asia. And he's like, oh, well, you know, oh, you're just, I, I know you, Ricky, you're just modest. You know, <laughs> You know, I'll tell you what. I love Bob Cottle. I I adore Bob Cottle. I um I don't want to know about his politics at all or the Jesse Helms shit. And to me, just, I don't want to hear about it because I think Bob Cottle is one of the best ever at this fucking shit. And again, a professional, and I know, uh, a professional Harv, broadcaster. Parv I mean, hated him. What, what what were your thoughts on Cottle <sighs> Kelly? And uh, how about doing a tiebreaker for Johnny and I here on best promo of these? Uh, 
Well, right, no, I don't know. I was, I guess, I'm kind of in between you. I did. I was a bad Bass was in this. Bass was better. Yeah, I've, I've a bit more to say about Bass. I, I Roberts. I okay. mean, he's a far cry from the Jake Roberts um, that becomes legendary on the mic uh, here. But I mean, I'm, I'm interested. Like I said, I praised his work in the match. I'm interested in this different Jake Roberts, this young babyface mm-hmm. Jake Roberts. Um, well, right, real, real quick, right, Kelly, before you get to your bass, because I'm dying to hear it, but just so, to finish this up, uh, well, you notice it's Ricky Steamboat and Jay Youngblood, and they're crossing each other's paths. Yeah. And I, I can just think Ricky's looking at Jay, Jay's looking at Ricky, he's like, hey, hey, you know? <laughs> and uh, Steamboat's like, look, I got to dump this gangly marble man. Okay, <laughs> you know? hey, isn't, it, isn't it like the uh, biggest oddball pairing between the two? Like, shouldn't Jake and Bass... With the cowboy hat together, they're trying to be. Yeah. They're trying to be. Pro- they're trying to be progressive, Pete. The cowboy and the Indian are getting along. The Hawaiian and the cowboy are team. You know, hey, it's progressive territory all of a sudden. Yeah, I think and Jay Youngblood is a pretty terrible promo. Oh no, yeah, boy, is he? <laughs> See, I fall down the rabbit hole on these Mid Atlantics, and uh, at one point, I think four or five episodes in, David Crockett ends up cutting uh, Jay Youngblood's yeah. promo. Yeah, oh, no, boy. he's definitely one of those guys. Um, and, well, um, Steamboat and, and Youngblood would be teaming as early as the next episode. I don't know if they teamed yeah. prior to that. So He's like, he's like, hey, you and me, we could go play Madison Square Garden. <laughs> oh, actually, yeah. No, they, that, that that had happened in 1980, so they, they had already. It was 80. I said they were yeah. 18. Oh, yeah, okay. they, they were. Uh, yeah. Yeah, they had been got gold for a while. Yeah, oh. I mean, they had the big. In '80, they already feuded with Snook and Stevens and That's stuff. That's right. Yeah, I totally forgot about that. Oh, okay. So then, why Earlier. the fuck aren't they talking? To, they, so were those? Was, they were was on that a look break. Yeah. Okay. They were on a break. <laughs> Just needed some time apart, see other people, and then realize that they love each other. Yeah, but but it is weird because like yeah, you're right. Next week, uh, Steamer is with Jay, but then then a couple weeks later. Steamboat and Jake have a really good match against uh, the Grappler Super Destroyer. Yeah, there, there seemed to be a lot of uh, fluidity on these um, TV shows where they were teaming with random yeah. random team-ups every week almost. Um, so where was I? Okay, Bob Cottle I, I've always liked. Uh, I think he's one of the all-time great wrestling announcers, actually. Um very, very good. Very believable. Yeah, and where the big boys play, I believe it's Parv and Campbell used to slag on him. I don't understand. I don't get it. Bob Cole's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, yeah. He's, 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 uh, yeah. I, like I said, I, I've always liked him. I, I don't uh, understand the criticisms. He's uh, authentic, right? Um, Ron Bass. Okay, so my deal with Bass is that I just don't buy him as a babyface at all. Maybe it's because that's like I only knew him really as a heel um, for most of my uh, wrestling fandom. But even here, he just comes off kind of arrogant. Um, like, oh yeah, like an asshole. Like I, I just yeah. I, Comes across like a bully. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I just I don't know how long this babyface run lasts exactly. Um, I can see this, you know, some fans getting behind him as like an ass kicker type, like a blackjack mulligan, but I, yeah, that was just my first impression that mm, I'm not buying Bass as a baby face at all. He's miscast totally here. He doesn't even strike you like as the TV champion type of, uh, 
mm. worker either, you know? Yeah. Well, I don't think it was quite, well, I wasn't quite the work radio belt back then, but, you know, he's TV is his level. <laughs> That's his level of champ. Yeah, as a singles guy. Yeah, but, yeah, uh, yeah. Either way, I mean, yeah, all the all the people. Yeah, he wouldn't be my first yeah. choice. No. Yeah, but but as far as the bullying thing goes, we'll see it in the the tag match we're gonna watch in the first thirty seconds. He's like bullying the referee. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, not doing. All right, then we got a slaughter and Mike Davis. Yeah, Kelly? yeah. I mean, here we go. Slaughter had just debuted. Like just like Abby, I think had just uh, debuted in the territory a week before, if that. Like he was super new. Um, the fans were already chanting Gomer, though. Yeah. So I don't know if that was something that they may, like maybe knew from the magazines, if if any of them were reading it, because they reference uh, David Crockett references his run in New York, and that he got over big there. <laughs> Uh, mm-hmm. Which was neat because, of course, we chronicled that on Titans of Wrestling, and yeah, so he he went straight from New York to the Carolinas. Um, wow, how hot was he at this time? Going from the huge uh, New York territory to the Carolinas, which was maybe even then the number two place to go in wrestling, um, big time territory. So Slaughter was yeah. Good. Honestly, this '82 run, the not this '81, but the '82 run of Slaughter and Crockett. Yeah, I think it's my favorite run of, of Slaughter. Period. Well, yeah, well, it's really that, good. Well, to that point, Kelly, and you guys can answer this. That's uh, why I'm asking you. I know Crockett would have been a closer to, but would Georgia have been bigger at the time because of the TV, uh, the TBS, or or was Georgia not doing well? No, no, I think 81 was actually the peak of Georgia, um, mm. like ratings wise and even business wise. And then it started to go down. Whereas the yeah, Carolinas, there's a lot of crossover. Though, so. Yeah, the Carolinas have been hot like consecutively since like 73, 74. They were one of the few territories that didn't have that dip in the 70s that a lot did. Oh, yeah, they okay. maintained their popularity all the way through. New York did, too. Oh. Um, and Florida is another one because Dusty caught fire and was so hot. Um, but, yeah, like the Carolinas, it was, I think, business-wise, they were doing probably better than uh, Georgia, but it was probably close at this time. But, I mean, Flair was so hot and all these stars, just what a territory. Um, so Slaughter comes in now. So like another all-star added to the roster. Um, and they're going to push him to the moon. It's obvious. Um, Ole comes out and I love this cause this is how you, <laughs> you put over a new guy as being important. Ole comes out and puts him over, you know, that this guy's like, he's a sergeant. He should be a commander or whatever, something along the uh-huh. right? Yeah. Like he really put him over huge. Um, <laughs> That that was great, and and the fans are like I said already chanting Gomer. Like he's already over. He's been in the territory for like two minutes, and he's fucking so over. That's great. Um, and he's going against Mike Davis, who's famous for later being part of Kevin Sullivan's Army of Darkness <laughs> as the Dream. Uh, yeah, where he's hypnotized right into thinking yeah, he's Dusty yeah. Rhodes. That he's dust. Well, he, well, they they don't quite say hypnotized because that would that would uh, mean that you know. It was real. They, it was magic. You know, it was <laughs> Kevin Sullivan. That no, was Kevin Sullivan's demonic 
ways convinced him that he truly is Dusty Rhodes. I read the article in the PWI or the Wrestler Inside Wrestling or Sports Review Wrestling, and it was definitely in that according to that article, Black Magic, my friend. (laughs) He played a record backwards to him or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, and he was also uh, you know a rock and roll RPM. Ah, Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, he was part of the four tire <laughs> angle with Austin Idol, wasn't he the partner? Hmm. <laughs> I don't know about that one, but yeah. <laughs> um, I just pictured I don't know, figured Kevin Sullivan trying to uh, uh, play something backwards. Hey, okay, it's Led Zeppelin four. We got to play it backwards. <laughs> <laughs> oh my, yeah. So another, like it's a, another squash uh, Sarge with a quick win here. Um, yeah, most of my comments are all just like backstory stuff on guys, um, not so much mm-hmm. about the the match themselves. But I mean, it's 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 great to see Slaughter just because you know like you're gonna get the whole run here on the network of in uh, Slaughter in in the Carolinas right from the beginning, uh, right to Final Conflict. So that's cool. Yeah, I mean, we look at this. Well, look at this. What we've seen so far, we have Slaughter, who I call a super worker. Jay Youngblood, a really good worker. Jake Roberts, a really good worker. Steamboat, a super worker. Wahoo, between super worker and really good worker. Yeah. Piper, uh, Piper, super worker, really good worker. Um, Ivan Koloff. Uh, Ivan Koloff, Koloff, super worker. Really good worker. You know, Abdul the moly. Butcher, um, yeah. a legend. And Flair is not even yeah. on the show, and he was in the territory. Like. It's ridiculous. And I love how, you know, they're not supposed to be on TV yet. We're getting all this Wahoo, uh, Piper, and Abby. Even though they weren't supposed to be on it. Obviously, they weren't there live, but they were there. It's okay to show them and tape them. Like, well, no, that's it. That's, that's how smart they are. They're like, okay, look, due to how crazy that got, we're, David Crockett, in his very calm manner, said, you know, we're just not going to allow them to be on television until we can just get this calmed down. But here's <laughs> a ton of it. Because technically we're saying this is live. We didn't say anything about footage. <laughs> and it's great. So they get to use that angle and you still get to see shit. You know, yeah, oh. what's even better, Johnny, next week they rescind it and they're allowed back on the TV. There you go. One week. One week. It's great stuff. They probably take both shows in the same letters. afternoon. Yeah. Oh, man. You can't so, let main event talent not be on the TV. <laughs> uh-huh. So when they chit, when they start chanting Gomer, and I was surprised, too, because I was like, how do they know about that? You know, because, you know, that's New York. Do they, they get New York TV, you know, or, or it's magazines, you know, maybe? But when you're hearing the Southern audience chanting Gomer, it sounds it, – all I can think of is Andy Griffith's show. Gomer, <laughs> <laughs> Gomer. Holy moly. Uh, Sarge, again, looks awesome. Awesome. And the thing is, the Gomer chants aren't getting to him. We're used to him coming out with cotton in his ears. and uh, <laughs> He's standing at full attention, and the Gomer chants aren't working on him. And I don't know if that continues in this, but I'm, I'm going to look forward to saying uh and he's huge. Again, they keep putting this over the whole show. He's a big man. Oh, that's Sergeant Slaughter. He's a huge man. Yeah, he's a huge man from a huge man territory. And he's who can work. And he's in there now. And, yeah, you know they're shooting him, you know, shooting him to the moon. Uh, and David Crockett, <laughs> to me, it sounded like he slipped up. 
when he goes, he was very successful up in the New York area. And I, then he goes, uh, uh, New York, Philadelphia. And I'm like, did he slip? Cause that's the, 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 the terminology, New York as an area that's, that's inside baseball. You know, that's not kayfabe. You don't ever, you don't use those terms. Hmm. And, and then he, cause he goes, uh, New York, Philly. And, I, I was thinking, oh, that's funny. You know, maybe, you know, who knows? And then all of a sudden, Ole Anderson comes storming out. And now that you said, <laughs> he's the booker. I was like, he on the headset, oh, that motherfucker, and storms out. Because he's thinking, he's bumbling around saying inside baseball shit. And they got need to be getting over how awesome this man is. Because at first, Bob Cottle, <laughs> at first, Bob Cottle, because Slaughter looks over in the middle of beating the shit out of this jobber. Slaughter looks over and Ole comes out like, what? You catch that. And Bob Connell goes, he's like, well, I don't know why Ole Anderson would want to come out and upset a man like Sergeant Slaughter. I was like, that, that, well, so they don't know. They they were not expecting him to come running out in the middle of this. Yeah. He ran out for whatever reason. And if you're telling me that he's the booker at that time, I just put it all together. Because he storms out and he pushes Slaughter uh, puts, I'm sorry, puts over Slaughter, like um, like you said, Pete, like a oh, motherfucker. Uh, uh this is so great. Slaughter, I mean, if you had never, if you were like wrestling, maybe and you were aware of Sergeant Slaughter and you lived in the Carolinas and this was your first exposure to him, you'd be like, fuck yeah. You know, or if you, this was, you never heard of the guy, you'd be like, fuck yeah. This is an amazing debut, you know, yeah. of a character in a territory. Ah, fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, what about you, Kelly? I loved when Oli came out and got on commentary. What, what oh, yeah, doing? totally, yeah. Uh, it was the perfect way to um, rub, give the rub to someone. Um, yeah, it, it's so simple, too. Just a couple sentences from the top guy, and that's it. You know, Slaughter's suddenly one of them, and it's off to the races. And then we get Abby versus Ron Ritchie. Who, uh, I believe Richie is a big Canadian guy, huh? <laughs> well, big maybe the wrong <laughs> word. But um, when I watched, or when I was uh, first watching Stampede as a youngster, he was part of the territory. He was the people's champion. Um, so he coined that yeah, good phrase. Look to him. <laughs> <laughs> he was, though. And he, had, he, like, he had t-shirts with that, yeah. <laughs> uh, good luck, yeah? Yeah, not, I mean, the fans loved him. Um, mid-card babyface sometimes in main events. Um, but yeah, solid mid-card guy. Kind of like a Tito Santana of Stampede, you know. Um, but yeah, here, uh, wow. Well, he, he was uh, squashed completely and totally. And this was, so they go to worldwide uh, wrestling um, yes. with uh, Rich Landrum and Johnny Weaver on commentary, who are very well-regarded a commentary team by those uh, that grew up watching wrestling in the Carolinas. And so that was uh, interesting that we got the other team, the other show that was actually filmed in the same building. It was the same studio. They just changed. Yeah, I was utterly confused on this whole <laughs> Yeah, I know. The first time I watched it, I didn't notice the okay. commentary change. And then the second time I watched it, I was more aware, paying closer attention, and I totally... Yeah, well, like, wait, 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 hold on. come from? What happened to my guys, and why are we in the same building? I, well, I'm they announced it. Confused. They announced, They said we're going to cut to... Taped footage, the, they said. Taped footage. Yeah. And okay. it's, but if it, it, look at it. It's like them taping Raw on SmackDown, like one right after another, like, yeah. or, like they do, you know, and everything to change the sets. 
<laughs> yeah, all well, they did. Yeah, the backdrop was the only thing that was changed. Otherwise, it was the same studio. Um, so yeah, interesting here. And then Abby just looks awesome. Those elbows. He was Holy still shit. very nimble at this time. Um, quite athletic still. Yeah, he was getting great air. I love Abby's jumping elbow. Uh, mm-hmm. Awesome, great air, just great impact. At uh, twice gives uh, Richie two mm-hmm. two big elbows. Finish him off. <laughs> One of my favorite Melterisms on here uh, is uh, back in the day, I used to say that Abby was one of the great three-minute workers. Yeah, I mean, yeah that's yeah. a good way of putting it. Totally. I loved it. What well, did you think of the match, brother? Johnny. Oh, well, here's the thing. No, Abby beat the shit out of this motherfucker. Here's the thing about those elbow drops and seeing how spry he is here and how awesome that is. The very first, the, the the day I became an Abdul the Butcher fan, I, I'd seen pictures of him in the magazines. I just got into the magazines, and I was like, well, "What this? What's this guy?" You know, I loved it. And but when the first time I saw that Lords of the Ring, and during the uh, the, the 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 music video, or, 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 or actually, the first time I saw the music video because I saw that before the the videotape, and they show Abby doing that fucking elbow drop. I immediately went, I love that, man. That's awesome. That's what the fuck was that? And I've always loved it. And I realized watching this, it looks so devastating. But I, if you think about it, I think the reason Abby like, has mutated into those giant side titties <laughs> so he could so he could do that move like that, and it looks devastating, but all that really lands on that guy is a bunch of mushy side titty. And, uh, you know, not muscle. You know, not even hard fat. It just bloop, you know, right over top of him. But it, but his hips hit the mat, and it goes ba-boom. You know, <clears throat> it's a great, great, uh, great thing. One of my favorite things about pro wrestling is an Abdullah the Butcher elbow drop. Then we got Ron Bass, Jay Youngblood, versus Rick Harris and Ali Bay. And they have, you know, another competitive squash. What you make of this one, Kelly? Any background on Ali Bay? That's the thing. I, I, I looked and the name sounded familiar. And on Wrestling Data, there was four men throughout history that, that used the name Ali Bay. <laughs> but actually, at least five, because of the four listed on Wrestling Data, none were this man. Uh, in the Carolinas in 1981, a lot of them were from like the early 20th century, you know, like a like an evil Turk gimmick that was very popular at that time. <laughs> and but this Ali Bay, I have no idea. Um, he's like a midget uh, Joel the Duke. Yeah. <laughs> hey, he lifted fucking Ron Bass up in the air. Yeah, no, a strong he, little fucking midget. He had power. I'm surprised he doesn't have a profile in wrestling data. I mean, he must have worked, you know, more than just this, you know, period in the in the in the Carolinas. He must have worked elsewhere. Um, crazy. Um, wow. Rick Harris, of course. Here's another uh, connection to world class. We saw him do a couple matches in 1982 there, uh, the future uh, Black Bart, and the weird team of Ron Bass and Jay Youngblood. Um, well, this actually was quite long, and uh, Harris and Bay got in a lot of offense, like way more than all the other jobbers on this show. Yeah, um, I like Bay. Yeah, yeah. Who is this man? We must, we must find more info on him. 
Yeah, he was good. Yeah, like quick, you know, like barefoot too, you know, this something. He's like a hobbit, um, <laughs> kind of. <laughs> and he, uh, and he, uh, when you did your research, did anyone? One of them was one of the guys you looked at. Was from the Maritimes? Uh, could have been. Yeah. Uh, Why well, you're familiar with a Maritime Alley Bay? Yeah, yeah. He went by another gnome de plume. I can't remember <laughs> what it was. <laughs> Um. Yeah. No where problem. you do Ali Bay, and you do another one, and he was a good worker, so I thought he might be this guy. Interesting. Maybe because that would have been in the '80s, right? So yeah. Yeah. Uh, like I said, all the ones that I researched on wrestling data were from like the 20s, 30s, 40s. Um. Yeah. So this was the this was I guess kind of the main event of the show. Um. And uh, Harris actually uh, ate the pin here, not Bay. After a Bass Power Slam, a decent, decent match. The best match that we that we saw. Um, nothing special, but uh, it was okay. You might have wrestled as the Turk, is what I'm thinking. Yeah, well, that would make sense. Yeah, it was all sort of tied together there. I'm just, I'm, I'm just, it's all jumbled in my head. Johnny, <laughs> what were your thoughts here? Uh, they're all jumbled in my head too. Uh, for some reason, the, the the headline guys are in the ring and they're waiting for the job guys, and uh, and they're like, "Well, it looks like they're nervous to get in the ring." And uh, as well, you know, maybe they're trying to psych out their opponents. And David Crockett gets off this line. He's like, "Well, you know, they're gonna need all the psyching they can get." So it, 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 the delivery was good, just not the execution. Uh, so it's the future Black Bart in there with Ron Vass. Now, when I first discovered Mid-Atlantic Wrestling, Crockett, in 1985, early 85, Ron Bass and Black Bart were a tag team, and then they broke up and everything. So I would see them in the ring together here, you know, just, you know, I started thinking, you know, and we mentioned – the other tag teams, uh, Ron Bass, you know, he's in there and he's laying it in there with this young Texan kid, too. And maybe he sees a little something in him, you know, and maybe shows it, you know, shows it in the ring and mentions something to him backstage, kid, you know. And the young Rick Harris, is, you know, Ron Bass is his hero now. He's his hero. So he, when he eventually does reinvent himself, he's going to be a badass cowboy, too. And and he and he finally gets to meet his hero, the team with his hero. And he's like, you know, you've inspired me. You know, what's your, what's your gimmick name, kid? Black Bart. Name sucks, kid. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why they eventually fell apart and didn't work because <laughs> Black Bart is the most comically dumb cowboy name of all time. And uh, Ron Bass, man, I like Ron Bass, but this one, uh, he's lumbering around. And speaking of like, the dream tag team we mentioned before of Slaughter and Koloff, I, I, I was watching Ron Bass lumber around in this match, and I was like, you know, I'd like to see a Ron Bass-Don Morocco tag team. <laughs> circa 1986. That's that's what I want. I, I, I want to see that and make Will watch those matches. <laughs> that That's that's what I want to do. Uh, and and at the end of the match, as <laughs> David uh, calls uh, Jay Youngblood Steamboat, he's like, Steamboat makes the tag. <laughs> no, no. Uh, <laughs> close, but no cigar. 
then we end the show on like on like murder's row of problems. <laughs> yeah. Ivan Koloff, Austin Idol, Sergeant Slaughter, and it felt like they got better on each and every one. Oh, I don't come out of nowhere where we haven't seen him all day. No. Uh, what are your thoughts on the promos, Johnny? Well, holy shit. So it starts with Ivan, you know, because he's the beginning of this train of of awesome promos. And and Ivan's saying, you know, you know, I am very impressed by American wrestlers like this Sergeant Slaughter, Abdullah the Butcher, uh, and Ollie Anderson, my old tag team partner. I enjoy that kind of American style of wrestling, and I hope to team with them someday. Uh, and he, that's awesome. And all of a sudden, Austin, I, I didn't even know Austin. I, I, I didn't know this. Nikita worked uh, 81 Mid-Atlantic. No, no, see, <clears throat> see, here's the thing. Uh, Ogre Ivan talks like that because he, he speaks well. Nikita, this is like, Magano Matera. I will black you. You know, he, he that's you know, there's, there's a difference in my Russian. No, and then, and, well, you know, and then you have sorry, Crusher. I don't have the ear for your your. Well, then, well, then you have Crusher Khrushchev who then go Road Warriors. We will defeat you. You know, and it never really fit. <laughs> it never really fit. Uh, but Austin, I I didn't know he was in this territory. No, he was in Georgia quite a lot at this time. At this, to me, I was like, out comes Austin, fucking idol, and he's got his gold, two gold chains, like he's Jack Tripper, and uh, his his red kind of Hawaiian skin tight shirt with the bandana around his forehead to match it, and he's cutting a fucking promo. And uh, he mentions at the end, he's like, if there's any pregnant women out there, maybe you'll be lucky and your babies will grow up to look like Austin Idol. Woo! And leaves. I'm like, fuck, yeah. And then Sergeant Slaughter storms in with Bob Cuddle. And he's like, what's your name, maggot? He's like, my name's Bob. Your name is Jack. He's like, from now on. And I am Sergeant Slaughter. I am Marine Drill Instructor. I demand respect. That's R-E-S-E-P-E-C-T. Uh, and he's like, what? He's like, next time I see you, <laughs> I want your hair. You get a haircut. Clean those glasses. Frame that tie. <laughs> Bob Cotto's no selling it. He's not, he's not scared at all. He's just like, what the fuck is going on? We'll see you next week, fans. It's, God damn it. It was a murderer's row of promos. Just boom. That, that was a was? great uh, slaughter impersonation. I will give you that. <laughs> well, that was thank great. you. Thank you. Thank you. But holy shit, not just the in-ring talent. Not just the in-ring talent. They just did a Murderer's Row quick thing of live promos, mind you. Not rehearsed. Each one of those guys walked in, walked out, walked in, walked out, walked in. That's fucking amazing from a performing standpoint. That it's 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 sick. God damn it. I give it seven stars, Pete. <laughs> <laughs> What about you, Kelly, man? Yeah. I'm sure you love them. Yeah, it was a cool end of the show, like one after the next with no cuts. Um, Sarge, yeah, he, he, you know, a rare flub for him with the, the misspelling of respect, but <laughs> that's a tough one to do on the fly. I, I don't I don't blame Sarge for, for uh, botching that one. Um, Austin Idol, yeah. I mean, he was super cool at this time. Great promo. Um, very influential. A lot of guys 
um, borrowed uh, their style from him. So, yeah. yeah, too bad this is it for us. We're not going to watch it anymore. <laughs> I well, think well, I'm watching. Yeah, I know. Yeah, watching it personally won't get to talk about it. Um, He's challenging Ric Flair is where this is going. Uh, okay. Um, Koloff, uh, cool, too, because he put over Sarge big time just like Ole did. Um, so that's that's great how they're well. Think about think about it this way. Think about it this way because most of those what ifs had a t- twist ending that things didn't quite work out. Yeah. If we continued with this, <laughs> we'd get to eighty four, <laughs> and a lot of eighty four ain't good. Yeah. <laughs> so. You know, we're starting with the bad in world world class. Right. We're about to get to some really good shit. So yeah. maybe just get that all out of oh, the way. Oh, it's the reverse. So we'd get to 84. We'd hate. We'd start hate doing the show. Hate uh, uh-huh. doing the show. Hating each other. It would just destroy yep. everything. It'd be like a apocalyptic future. Yeah, it's a good. No, thing. we'd be fighting. We'd be fighting over whether or not Paul Jones is worth it. You know, and <laughs> I'd be defending Jimmy Valiant to my dying day. And but yeah, but you have Hyatt. Uh, was reviewing Mid Atlantic, and uh, she didn't uh, was not. She goes, "I've never got understood the Jimmy Valiant character." Well, now you know what you know what. In the interest of decorum, I'm not going to go where my mind was going to go, and joke was going to go. So. <laughs> Just leave it at that. Jimmy Vine fucking rules. Fucking rules. And, uh, by the way, within this 83 road, Jim, we get some Jimmy Valiant, right? Yeah. Oh, fuck yeah. Oh, yeah. We're he, in 81. Right yeah, I was going to say, I, I think he was in the territory. Duh, yeah, duh. When does he arrive? He, 81. He, I think he shows up next episode. Oh, is a good guy or a yeah, heel? Yeah, we get a music video from Memphis and he does a squash match. Oh, but is he a heel or is he a... Maybe. Um, He's very face. Okay. Yeah. Because yeah. he was healed. Because he he was a heel most of the time in Memphis. Yeah, I think he's yeah, been he a heel is. his whole time. Um, after uh, turning on Strongbow in like 1971 or two or whenever that was, way yeah. back. He was one of uh, Grand Wizard's first charges in uh, New York in the early 70s. Yep. When he turned. Yeah. So man, I, I gotta say, guys, for a snapshot, I thought this was a really fun uh, one yeah. one off. What, what about you, John? Oh, I loved it. I loved that we uh, uh, that when I when I said, "Hey, you want to do this?" and that you guys were like, oh, "Fuck yeah, let's do it," because you know I did, a lot of people were talking about it. Because what I wanted to do was not pick like let's pick the best one. I was like, "No, let's pick what the first one was. What's the first impression that a viewer would get if you're gonna if you're gonna dive in?" Like, well, I've been watching them randomly. I was like, "Why? Don't do that. Don't look for stuff. Just watch it." It, these are stories that progress, and if this it's is the first one, of, television, yeah, yeah, episodic TV. What are you doing? Looking, I want to find the best matches. Yeah, you, you let it get to that. You mm-hmm. know? I hate to tell everyone there's only going to be like maybe ten of them out of the whole entire. Yeah, yeah, this is television. <laughs> well, that's just it. This is TV. Don't don't start getting depressed. That like, what's with all the jobber matches? You're watching the way the television was presented, and one thing Mid Atlantic always did. And that Crockett did, and that grabbed me the first time I saw it in '85 was on world was worldwide, but maybe in a lot of jobber matches. But they made they put a lot of footage in of like this happened. Like every show would open with some like 
footage from a house show. A hot uh, angle or, or something. Or a hot angle or something. Yeah. Or, a, yeah. or a big and, win on something, yeah. Or a big win or something. Exactly. They, and they go to, and the promos were great, and the matches were just sort of there, but they were fun and exciting in front of a hot crowd, and those ropes that made that cool fucking sound and shit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, and it just said NWA in the middle of it. It, it looked kind of low rent, but I liked it because it was a departure from what I'd grown up with. You know, it, it, it was a great presentation. And you see that it, it, world class. We're like, well, we know what Fritz is trying to do in those early episodes. This right here, besides the funky, you know, psychedelic bullshit, what it evolves into is not so much removed from this, just in front of a bigger audience. And uh, so they're already on the right track because they've been exactly they've been doing it forever successfully. Yeah, this one for me. I I, I wish and who knows? They who knows what the frack they have in that vault. <laughs> I'd love them to uncover 1982 house show runs of mid mid Atlantic or whatever. Oh boy! Oh well, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Is it gonna happen? Probably not. But you never know, man. You look you look at uh, that Steamboat DVD. They found the freaking. Mm-hmm. 84 hour draw of Steamboat and Flair at, at Boogie Jam. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure they might have the rest of the card in there, you know? Yeah. So who knows? Well, look at Last Battle of Atlanta. You got, yeah. you know, yeah. the, the not even in WWF, but like the, the famous Cornet garbage tape stuff. That's how I found all this shit, you know? It was in, literally yeah. in a fucking garbage can. You know, it's just, you know, when you. When you find it, you know, it's always a cool thing. So, you know, people yeah. should watch this. It's great stuff. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Kelly, any any impressions from you on the show? Uh, yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed it. Good change of pace from world class. Uh, I'm glad they put up, you know, enough that you can just binge watch this stuff. I'm going to just put it on whenever I want. You know, sometimes I'll be watching closely. Sometimes I'll be cooking or cleaning or whatever in the background. Throw it on. Yeah, it's perfect stuff for that you yeah know? yeah um and you never know what's gonna for me it's mostly new like i've seen bits and pieces of a lot of this stuff whatever popped up on youtube here and there over the years um but most of it uh, yeah i've never seen before so there's gonna be awesome promos you're gonna get a surprise great match out of nowhere probably who knows there'll be maybe highlights from uh the greensboro coliseum Oh yeah, stuff like that. I'm I'm sure there must be some of that stuff in there. Um, and, yeah, just all kinds. Yeah, of for surprises. me, it's, it's about the promos, and then yeah. every now and then they'll show. They haven't showed it. They didn't show it on today's episode, but in, in a few I've seen sprinkled in. They have some of the localized promos, so that's cool. Um, um, I mean, yeah, you know, so there's a lot of stuff, and for me, it's about the angles and yeah. and you know, you kind of know who's feuding with you, and you can have an idea of the matches are great. I'm I'm sure Wahoo and uh, Abby probably had some fun, bloody brawls, you know. I mean, yeah, I would love to see the matches, but you know what? I, I, I the part of history that I really, I think it's cool to see see the performers. I'm yeah. curious on like I'm kind of curious on seeing people's reaction to Ric Flair when he's doing a babyface run here. Yeah, um, you know. Oh, and speaking of Flair, this was like September 12th, 1981. I believe it was five days later that he beat. Uh, Harley or not Harley Race, Dusty Rhodes for the for his first NWA title in Kansas City. That's another Ooh. one they mentioned that was missing his his first uh, appearance as heavyweight champion. They don't have it on the network. Yeah, I was wondering because I watched the second episode and Flair wasn't on that one either. So I was wondering, uh, and they didn't mention it or anything. I thought for sure they would have mentioned 
that, you know, the hometown boy won the NWA title because he was the first Carolina exclusive wrestler to be NWA champion. It was a huge, huge deal for them at the time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, he's going to turn up. Babyface Flair. Yeah, he was he'd been a babyface for about you know, a couple of years, I think, at this point um, in the territory and would uh, be so for for another few years. So, yeah, it's it's a real interesting snapshot. So many uh, great wrestlers, oh, such a deep roster. It's it's really cool and great, you know, commentators, too. And it, mm-hmm. it, it's it, an overall it's it's a really strong wrestling package. And I'm so glad they put it up on the network. Mm-hmm. I'm agreeing. Yeah, it's a great snapshot. Uh, really cool stuff. Cool to see some of these performers, like you know, like Piper Man. I mean, yeah. his Portland and, and, and Mid Atlantic promo work is just as good as his stuff in WWE that really cemented him as a legend. Oh um, yeah, yeah. And then throw in Georgia he, too. Like he had an yeah. insane, awesome run before. Uh, yeah, WWF. See, Steamboat here is awesome. Um, hey. Early Jake, Abby, Wahoo, Piper, Oli, Sarge. Yeah. I mean, God, Ivan. Yeah. Well, to use the baseball reference, uh, 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 Kelly, it, it's a it's a it's a murderer's row. Yeah. It's a murderer's. Yeah. Row. It's a twenty nine Yankees. Murderers Row Wrestling. Oh yeah, it had to be one. Of, seven, whatever. Okay. Had to be one of the top territories talent-wise at the time. Like better than New York for sure. Right. Uh, Georgia had a lot of the same guys, um, so that would be close. AWA had a pretty stacked roster around this time too. Um, but yeah. yeah, they were they were an awesome territory talent-wise. Yeah, and, and what this show is, and the last thing I want to say before we end, or I want to say before we wrap this up, is. To, to that point of like, oh, the great matches, but you said putting on the background. Yeah, exactly. That's it. Or when you watch it, watch it knowing this is the a television. That's why I love studio wrestling. Memphis, this, uh, uh, the TBS show. I love studio wrestling. You know, it's it's studio wrestling is like, yeah, this is a TV show. This is literally a television studio. And it's presented that way. We're presenting you a television show. and And when they do it that way, it's my favorite thing in wrestling, and uh, they do they, they, they do this so well here. It's, it's amazing. Yeah, bravo. Hey, on that note, man, uh, Kelly, anything you'd like to mention before we head on out? Um, no, I mean I'm on the Place to Be podcast this week, looking at September 1987 WWF at Madison Square Garden. Uh, in particular, there's an awesome match between Strikeforce and the Islanders. Actually, I think it was the first uh, match in the feud between the teams. Great feud, man. Great feud. Yeah, it's a really hot match uh, with a molten hot MSG crowd. All the guys involved are great in the ring, and it's it's really awesome. Um, on the Also on that show, you have Hulk Hogan against One Man Gang, a rare uh, main event match for those guys. Uh, together so that's uh that's cool so yeah i'm looking uh, or no uh, uh i guess it's uh, it's dropped already <laughs> so it was a great show awesome john nah, no i'm good all right man uh, follow me on this week in wrestling indies and international last week we covered tokyo dome 
looked at some Battlecade, looking at we looked at some uh, reality wrestling, and uh, I don't remember else some other stuff. Then we just talked about current events. So check that out on usually on Saturday or Sunday, and of course we'll be dropping Wednesday for Worldcast Wednesday or what if Worldcast Wednesday or what whatever. Uh, have a great week. Binge watch that Mid-Atlantic Wrestling or that World Class. You know, I mean, there's so much cool stuff to choose from on the network right now. Uh, it's this is it's finally becoming what I, I hoped it was going to be. When it's <laughs> so uh, let's get finally. those. Let's, let's, let's have fun. Catch you finally. later. Could be finer than to be in Carolina in the morning. No one could be sweeter than my sweetie when I meet her in the morning. Where the morning glories twine around the door, whispering pretty stories. I long to hear once more Rolling with my girlie Where the dew is pearly early In the morning Butterflies all flutter up And kiss each little buttercup At dawn If I had a land lamp For only a day I'd make a wish And here's what I'd say Nothing could be finer than to be in Carolina in a moon.